So, Aristotle. Yes. How do you uh, like define yourself? How do I define myself? Um, I I guess I would say I define myself by not defining myself because there's just to to define yourself is to I think in some capacity put yourself constrain yourself put yourself in a box and I I don't like to do that because I like to explore so many different avenues um, so I, I you know if I if I was to say one word you know I think at the end of the day everything I do is rooted in comedy so I would say uh, comedy okay and you love golf and we'll get into that yeah later. yeah yeah um, you know, it's, it's the reason why I started with that question is because it's like in kind of learning about you, mm -hmm. right? You, you meet a person named Blake first. Yes. Who's Blake? <laughs> uh, so Blake essentially, um, back in like 2014 or 15, I started this character, uh, called Blake vapes. And essentially what it was is I was just making fun of like vape culture in general um, but as a vapor i was not actually vaping this was all parody but you but you had to vape to i had to vape the role of the character on camera yeah it was always zero nicotine and oh was, interesting it was always such like a weird thing because I, at the time i was working for a weed vape company so i go to these trade shows as part of my job and i would meet these other blakes <laughs> out there <laughs> And I just thought this is like such a funny person because like you'd walk up and, and start having a conversation with somebody from the vape culture and they'd be like, oh, by the way, what are you, what are you vaping on? I got this, I got this new root beer flavor. It's really fucking good. You want to try it? You want to, you want to take a hit? Oh, by the way, the coil, it's a little bit, it's a little bit soggy right now. And like they get on all these technical terms and you're like, I never asked. I was just was saying hi. Right, right. <laughs> and it was just like such a funny thing to me so i started this uh this this character that kind of towed the line between um you know reality and absurdity and a lot of people thought it was real and uh you know i carried it as long as i could uh in terms of the vape culture and then once that sort of tapered off and died i was like all right i have a following here now what you know what's next so i got rid of the name blake vapes changed it to Blake Weber and over the course of the years just you know doing it as much as I have been I've, I've sort of inserted myself into the character and instead of like trying to change it and be like hey I'm actually Aristotle I think it's cool to have this uh fake sort of uh you know alter ego that exists that's kind of me but just like an elevated sillier dumber version of me yeah, when because uh, I know you as Blake from yes. the internet, knowing someone, yep. and then when we met, you introduced yourself as Aristotle, and I literally because your sense of humor is—I mean, I, I'm going to try and understand your sense, define your sense of humor. It's yeah. kind of, um, uh, it's kind of counterintuitive. Is that way? Was that a way to say it? Ooh, yeah, I like that. Like it's kind of like this. Uh, you might not think what this is is funny, but I'm going to make it funny. Because I'm going to wow. spin it in such a way. Wow. Nailed it. I yeah. don't know. Is that it? I, I love that. You know, it's, yeah, absolutely. I, I like to take things that people wouldn't necessarily find funny and make them funny. And I, perfect example of that was when I first started stand up. I had this joke that was, um, it's so bad and so dumb, <laughs> but it would murder. 
And it, it was essentially, um, it was like, oh man, I'd hate to be a janitor, right? Not because you have to clean up after people, but because at the end of the night, you have to deal with that many keys when you come home. Like you'd be sitting there trying to get in your front door. Like, is this one it? No, is this one it? No, is this one it? No. And I would like literally do that for like as long as I wanted on stage. <laughs> and sometimes, and it was like one of those things where it would be like not funny. And then people were like, oh my God, this is fucking funny. And then you'd go back to the stage of not funny. And be like, oh my God, he's still doing it. This is hilarious. And it would just, it was so stupid. But that definition that you just provided was pretty spot on. And I have never been able to define it, but that's really good. Because like when we met, I remember you said, my name's Aristotle. And I actually thought I was part of a joke, <laughs> yes. but I didn't realize. And I was like, what does he mean, Aristotle? But it's actually just you're on your birth certificate. That's my name. And we were commenting how it's most people would take a normal birth name of Blake. Yes. And then change it to a more interesting name such as Aristotle. Yep. Okay. So comedically, right. When you were talking about that, I was thinking of a handful of comedians, mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe not Mitch Hedberg, but like who, who is the guy that you're just like, that's, that's the perfect bit. That's the perfect the mindset. Perfect bit. I mean, there's so many good, it's, it's funny. Cause I'm always attracted to the comedians that do stuff that I don't do. So the more poignant, like joke writers, you know, like I always loved Stephen Wright. Uh, okay. just one of the greatest joke writers of all time. Obviously Mitch Hedberg, he's up there. Um, I really like, uh, some people that a lot of, a lot of folks might not be familiar with. Um, uh, Rory Scovel. Sure. Very, he loves golf. Yes, he does. And he's so fucking funny. Um, obviously John Mulaney, he just put out a new special that I absolutely loved. Um, of course, Dave Chappelle, uh, you know, Louis CK, Bill Burr, uh, Jim Jeffries. So I was always sort of more in, in line with the guys that are more like rugged and brutal and honest. Right. <laughs> and, and my comedy is the exact opposite. It's very absurd. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So when, when I look at, I think I, wh what for you, like, so we're talking about like, you know, internet short jokes, mm -hmm. essentially like not memes, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it feels like more than that. Like a meme plus meme, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, there, and and there's some there's I think memes are very creative, but yes. I think what I'm what I've seen of your work is that it's like it's even like more it's 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 more of your personality mm -hmm. coming off. I, I'm talking about specifically like the the your your genre of like animals thoughts and animals yes, having sex the voiceovers yeah. Animals wanting more than, you know, they might seem when you look at them. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I just love, I love one of, one of my original jokes as well during um, my tenure as a stand-up comedian was a bird joke. Is a joke about like what birds are actually saying to each other um, on the wires and how they're talking about how humans are dumb and they're just like, look, they can't even fly, you know? Um <laughs> So I think there's always been sort of this innate desire to know what animals are thinking for me and as well as like most humans. And so, you know, I, I come across these clips and I'm just like, God, what a human interaction from these marmots, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. Yeah. And, uh, and just giving them a voice and, and a purpose and something that relates to, this, to what people go through on a daily basis. It just, it makes me laugh. You know, yeah. I can remove myself 
from the content and observe it as a third party and be like, that's that's so silly. Like, I love that. The the one that really had me is the orangutan in the cage. Oh, yeah. Um, asking to touch the, you know, the whatever, the zoo goer shirt. The and fabric. Then, yeah, pulling him in and basically saying like, what would it be like if we if the roles were reversed essentially? Yes, yeah, and and it's it it's so funny because when I'm making them, very often I'll see a video, and the ones that I tend to go for are ones where I get an idea immediately. Interesting. So it's like I'll see it and be like, oh, I already know what this fucker's saying to that fucker. I yeah. like I already know what it is, and then I I just I dial it in. And you know, do a, do a few different takes, and I make sure to add the background noise, and I I folly all the sound effects that are in there. Yeah. Um. And then you know, we put it out into the world, and it's something that in a seven second clip with twenty million views mm -hmm. comes off as very casual, but yeah. I, I get the feeling like it's quite not. No, it's absolutely not. Like you know, I have my my own little recording space and everything. Um. I it's it's interesting because I do ninety percent of my voiceovers and whatnot on my phone. I, I, I'm like one of those people where I believe if you're consuming the content on your phone, the, the stuff that is going to perform the best or that people are going to relate to the most, it will be created on the phone. Why? Um, there's just a certain organic feel to it versus when you're doing like a full shoot and a camera setup and everything. It's sort of like, oh, this is produced. You right. know, so there's like this, you lose a layer of authenticity through it to an extent, not always, but for the most part. And I think there's also that element of like people when they're watching something, maybe subconsciously, they're like, oh, I could, I could make this. I could have, I could have shot this. Yeah. You know, it's something that they feel like they could have also done. Yeah. It's kind of like a handwritten note should be handwritten. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. So, and then we were talking a lot, obviously we're all creators and we were mm -hmm. researching kind of, you know, what Blake's work and, and, and we were like curious to know about your process, like how long does it take? And, yeah. you know, like I'm curious. Yeah, the to know. the uh, context here is on the drive back from San Diego last night, we probably consumed an hour worth <laughs> yeah. of your content. We watched nice. the special. And what, <laughs> yeah, we saw the, the Blake Weber special, but throughout the process, for instance, like Kefra would see one of the videos you had done and be like, holy shit, I saw that 11 years ago. Yeah. It's almost like you put together this oeuvre, this uh, total repertoire of work mm -hmm. that already will outlast you. It's kind of insane. Which is like, you know, you don't really think about it until, you know, it's it's brought to you maybe in this context or whatever. But uh, that, I mean, that makes me really happy to hear that you guys were diving in and going back and seeing everything. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just one of those things where, you know, I always wanted to do comedy in some sense and, you know, stand up was like a gigantic part of, you know, my inception into, you know, doing it. And then of course, social media comes around and that becomes a, a new medium to ex explore comedy. And for me, it just, it fit, it fits so well. And just the evolution of what I've done with Blake and like, you know, the, the stuff that I'm doing now and where that's headed, it's, it's fascinating to think that, you know, here we are. <laughs> Who would have thought that I'd be part of a, a, a golf YouTube podcast channel and then also sitting down with you guys talking about comedy as, as a golf, you know, YouTube channel and golf creators. It's just, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's fascinating how this worked.
Uh, but golf wasn't at, in the beginning. It was hockey. Correct. So yep. that's kind of, you're in like a very small group of people that like kind of came to the, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a like, it's a, it's a, it's a logical transition. Yes. But it's not very common. Correct. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like hockey, especially in the United States is, it's kind of, it's a little forgotten. Yeah. You know, back when I, when I was playing like in the nineties and stuff as a child, it was, hockey was like on the up, right. you know, cause it, it was like exciting and there was like crazy rivalries and like the highlights were insane. And now it's like, it's still popular, but it's like popular. It's very popular in certain markets. So I feel like hockey has become super niche. Um, and then now in golf has exploded. Um, and you know, when I was playing, unfortunately I got, I got injured and was forced to, uh, I was unable to play any contact sports from that point. Um, so I got hit during a game and I basically kind of lost vision in my left eye for like 10 or 15 minutes. Um, it slowly came back, but we, I went to an eye doctor afterwards and they're like, Hey, yeah, your retina in your left eye is almost detached. And there is, you know, there is corrective surgery for that, but especially at the time technology wasn't the best and there was no guarantee that they could restore your vision. And even if they could, it might not be a hundred percent. So I kind of had a choice. Like I could keep playing and risk potentially going blind in this eye, having corrective surgery and not, you know, having full vision, or I could, uh, move out of contact sports and find something else. And at the time I'd been playing, I would play hockey all year. And then in the summer I would play golf or well, really it was golf and lacrosse, but then, you know, obviously I couldn't play lacrosse either. So it went strictly to golf and I was like, Hey, I could compete in, in this. And, you know, I played middle school golf and, and high school golf. And I just, I just get too mad to be competitive. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I, I would, I'd go out for instance and shoot like uh like 38 on the front nine and then 46 on the back nine. And I'd, you know, break my wedges. <laughs> I was very angry. <laughs> I, for, first thought is like, if there's anyone who I could see like being open to having a different perspective, like literally visually, like, I feel like you would be like, you know what? I'm down to try like just no depth perception and just have one <laughs> eye. <laughs> like you're kind of, you're kind of a, like gonzo a little bit. You yeah, know? that's fair. Um, but yeah, I get that. I would want to have both eyes if I could. Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously my, my parents, I'm an only child. I okay. think that's where a lot of like this, the, the idea that I could be in entertainment comes from is like your parents are just constantly like encouraging you like, yeah, you're doing great. It's everything's you're great. You're the best. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, I am. Uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> yeah. So I think they also sort of had a, a say in me not pursuing contact sports after getting that sort of diagnosis right yeah was golf did golf come naturally to you or like yeah it definitely did i I, ever since i was a kid i was always sort of naturally athletic um like for instance in my in elementary school you know you used to do the mile run um i won that every year from when i was in kindergarten through fifth grade we do it twice a year i want I, i think i only I got second one time and then I, and then I never lost again in that. So it's just like sort of innate. The athletics was just innate. And so the transition from hockey to golf, I remember the first time going to the driving range with my dad, you know, I had a natural, 
I, I just, I had a natural swing. Like I just, I like knew what to do. Mm. I saw him and, and it's so funny. I was just thinking about this yesterday cause I was at a, a, a chipping green yesterday. This guy was like trying to teach his son and I was just like, how is this like 36 handicap going to help his son in any capacity? <laughs> and I, and then it made me think about my dad and how terrible at golf he is, but just, I guess, getting the kid out there and, and, and having him like see the game for what it is and just hitting a ball. It's at its simplest form is like so important. And so, yeah. so there's, uh, there's like footage of you playing golf on in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and it's pretty, counter right it's yeah. you know the the name of your comedy group is country club adjacent mm -hmm. so like you know to to explain that it's like it's it's unlike most golf even i've seen yeah and i've seen a lot of different types of golf of course but yeah. it's, it's very um how would you describe the golf that you portray on camera um <laughs> that's a good question uh i would say it's it's definitely more uh, sillier Mm. So start there. There's definitely, it's definitely rooted in comedy. So there, so there's that aspect of it. And I think what it is, is it's just a, it's a heightened version of your average everyday degenerate golfer. I think that's sort of the, what it's become. I think it started out as like four comedians who think they're good at golf. And then it just, it, it, shifted into because <laughs> griff and jake really think they're good at golf oh yeah yes they they think they are phenomenal at golf which is hilarious um <laughs> but it shifted to two two competitive golfers and two golfers who just fuck off uh in in me and mark and uh and just that dynamic and our clashing personalities i think are relatable to different people like you know, some of the comments I see are people are like, yeah, Griff's my guy. I'm Griff. I'm always eating hot dogs at the turn. Or people are like, yeah, I'm Mark. I'm always grouchy when we have to get up at, at 7 a.m. Uh, to play golf. So I think it's it's become a heightened version of what a lot of degenerate golfers see in themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And and But is that is that like, is is there another version of golf that you play not on camera? Um, yeah, yeah, I would say so. I'm very casual when okay. I golf. I don't, it's so funny. I don't really like to compete because then I take it seriously right. and then it's not fun. And it reminds me of, you know, in high school trying to qualify for state and then getting all stressed out. And I don't, I don't like that. So I play whenever I'm playing, I'm just, I'm just, it's always just practice for me. I'm always just out there. I'm trying to, you know, figure out exactly what my body should feel like on the 65 yard shot. Like, Ooh, that's, that's, let's just remember that next time. You know, I'm very much trying to improve by constantly practicing. And so I'm, I'm assuming, uh, you know, like the origin of the back off challenge, which mm -hmm. is one of the things, probably one of the things you guys are best known for. Yes. Uh, yep. started between the four of you just on the golf course. Is that true? It's exactly what it was. And, it started, uh, I remember the round. It was in Colorado during a Colorado golf blog tournament. And Mark told Griff that he looks like, like literally right on the tee box, right before Griff was about to tee off, Mark was like, you look like you sleep at your aunt's house or you look like you just rolled out of your aunt's bed. It was something along those lines. 
And everyone was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> what, what did you say? And uh, it, it just killed everybody. And, and then we, the next week during our meeting and podcast, we sort of had a conversation about like, hey, that's a funny concept. Let's, what if we built off of what you did there, Mark? And we all sort of just started doing it uh, with each other first, filming it seeing what that looked like on camera and then obviously introducing new people. And it's just, it's gotten to the point now where we're getting invited to member guest tournaments. We're getting invited to like celebrity pro-ams and whatnot to talk shit to these people. And it really has infiltrated the golf world. It is really deep now. It is deep. It is in Reddit golf uh, it's, you know, being shared by golf digest, like all these random places that you never could have imagined. And I feel like if you consume golf content online, you've at least seen one, yeah. whether or not you, it stuck with you is a totally different thing, but you've probably at least seen it. So it's obviously entertaining and creative and, and humorous, mm-hmm. but is there a deeper reason why people, uh, essentially want to, either be or watch people get roasted before, you know, performing a complex activity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's just because it's, it's so funny. And, and I, I feel like, especially in the golf community or at least people that have played sports, there is an element of chirping. There's an element of shit talking in every, in every sport. And this is just the most direct version of that so i feel like most people because because even when we're fucking around and we do this at like a member guest or whatever people want to play along either whether that is they're chirping back they're feeding us ammo for their friend or they are themselves trying to participate being like yeah you 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 do look like shit jeremy you know whatever it is um so i feel like that's why it connects so well to people because again they people love to talk shit they love to see other people be the brunt of the joke as long as it's not them and most of the time the people that are the brunt of the joke are laughing along with us so it's it's not malicious in any sense and golf uh, to date is pretty clear of heckling right it says yes in fact there are stories about hecklers being removed from tour events yep and that's really what you guys are kind of leaning into and i guess uh, maybe one of your biggest opportunities has been with the live tour. Yeah. Yeah. They've just, you know, at the end of the day, they've given us the access that the PGA tour has really sort of stayed away from, uh, in terms of it's allowing a bit scary for the PGA tour. Yeah. And I, and I totally get it. You know, yeah. they're very, they are very buttoned up and, and they like things a certain way and, and so be it. Um, but it's it's been cool to be embraced by a professional league, yeah. essentially, uh, to do what we do. And the, the players love it. And it definitely plays into their whole mantra of golf, but loud. Um, so it's it's been a it's been a great partnership. And it's really awesome to have the opportunity to basically bring our comedy to the sport, which a lot of people I think are a little afraid of because of how stuck up it, it has been and, and, and how people are so 
you know, golf. This is golf. It's very serious. Yeah, tuck it in. Yeah, tuck, tuck, tuck in your shirt. Asshole. And there's also like, I think for you guys, it must be really fun because you've got these like great athletes mm -hmm. who essentially are idolized. Everyone says yes. Yep. No one's going to bother them. And you guys are in there to stir it up. Yep. There must be a great response amongst the athletes themselves. Oh, absolutely. Because they've never experienced anything like this necessarily. Besides, you know, obviously chirping with each other. Because I'm sure they, they do that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they they absolutely love it. Um, yeah. They, they, not only do they love it, but they will oftentimes be like, hey, you know, so-and-so's behind us. He's got, he just got a new dog and his dog fucking sucks. Like they'll just, they'll, they'll start to <laughs> feed us information so that we can, you know, be at our best, uh, in terms of <laughs> saying something that'll, that'll tweak them. Well, it's also quite, um, the, the idea of the back off challenge, if it's ultimately to rib your friend. Yeah. That's a very Scottish and thing, right? I Absolutely. Think they're very much like they'll, they'll, they, uh, the, they'll let you know like how much they enjoy your presence by, you know, telling you that you're a piece of shit and that, yeah. they, and that you're not going to make that putt. This fucking bastard can't even make a three footer. Like, <laughs> you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's so, it's so, it's an, I'm just curious about like the psychological point of view there. Like, yeah. like, you know, and I'm, and I'm just like, I think it's really interesting. It is. It's uh it's, and it's one of those things where, and, and I feel like this happens very often when you're creating content. It's one of those things where you just, you're doing it and you, and you don't really think anything of it. And that's the thing that pops. Right. Kind know? of like your original, like, uh, you know, voiceover memes. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it's, it's, what's even more interesting is like, you'll start somewhere like, yeah, we, we started as essentially just a podcast um, because we had great chemistry on a small project that we were invited to partake in. And it was the inception of our group was essentially us talking shit to each other during rounds of golf. And then it built into, it, it grew into the, the back off challenge and is now expanding ever more. Where for me with Blake, it was making fun of the vape culture. The first video that I ever did that like went like super viral was a vape video that had that I voiced over. So it, it was interesting that without even knowing it, you know, with the voiceovers and everything becoming the ultimate thing that uh, that really put me out into the world was a voiceover video in the beginning before I was even doing voiceover videos was what went viral first. Yeah. So it's it's I have, I find that interesting that the thing that typically propels you is something that you don't even know is going to propel you. It's just like, oh, I like this is an interesting new version of what I do. Let's see how it does. Yeah. Yeah, I can relate to that. Yeah. There were a lot of things that I did early on where I was like, well, this is annoying. And then you do it and be like, wow, everybody loves this weirdly. What was it for you? What was something that popped in the beginning that made you um, change the, course? The idea was I had access to play Pebble Beach uh, before the US Open, the Gary Woodland one. I think it was 2017. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the idea was like, oh, let's see like what I would shoot from the same exact tee box. And I remember I was struggling. And like on, yeah. on the 11th hole, I remember looking at the camera and being like, why the fuck would you watch this? Like, <laughs> And I remember saying something like, uh, you know, 
I had a new YouTube channel at the time. Yeah. And I've, and I assumed that 30,000 people were going to watch this video. And I was like, Oh God, why would 30,000 people want to watch me play bad golf? And like the main comment is like uh 700,000 views to date. You know, it's like people are commenting like, you know, not 30,000 views. Yeah. And it was, it's kind of like, uh, it's, it's almost like, um, similar to the back off challenge where you're sort of like leaning into like the insecure or the awkward or the uh unknown mm -hmm. of it like like a car accident kind of as you drive by yeah. yeah 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 you know the braking series is kind of that too like it's like oh boy uh-oh he hit a bad one let's <laughs> tune in right <laughs> i'm sure see. i'm sure we have in our metrics kefir where like people probably retain on a bad drive Oh yeah. Like, so, so we can, you know, you can see on YouTube, like where people like there's, there's typically a slow bar of like yeah. retention. Yes. And when it spikes, that means something interesting happens. And usually that's like when someone hits a bad shot. Really? Yeah. yeah good so shot. Really good shot or really bad shot. Yeah. We just, we yeah, people are like, I want to see what's going to happen next. And that's kind of like the back off challenge. I yeah. Guess, on some, Cause you're, are you into dubstep? Yes. Okay. Yeah. But you're not into vaping. No. See, I could have actually told you that because I've listened to your, we've listened to your music. Okay. Right, you did listen yeah. to music, yeah. yeah. But I wasn't even sure if your music was a bit as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you know, to an extent, it is. Um, you know, I love. I've I've always loved dance music, and one thing that I feel like in the dance music community that's been uh, sort of lacking is is humor. Right. You know, there's there's always like comedy rap. Uh, you know, there's there's fake comedy parody uh pop music but in the dance music space there's nothing that's like funny and so for me over the course of the last few years i i love djing like okay. i have it's the to me it's been like the most freeing fun uh artistic expression for me and so i've made a few songs that are really well produced and and high quality but they're they have a comedic undertone to them that's not that's not cringe um but will instead enhance the the beat and enhance you know the 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 moments on the dance floor and whatnot how do you bring a comedic undertone to a song with no words well so for instance like the, the you know i have right now i have like two songs out i have like six or seven that i've made but like two that are actually officially out um one is called vitamin a and it's essentially you know build up build up build up on the drop right before the drop on that one it's like i eat ass so oh, wow. <laughs> so there's so you got that and then the other song uh i did with uh the homie nitty gritty um, who recently I think just changed his name to just Nitty uh, is called So LA and he he came to me with the concept he's like dude I want to do a song about LA that really like showcases LA culture in like the dumbest way possible that people can relate to so I you know I wrote a bunch of like stupid lyrics that's like um, I lost my jewel you know and then that's So LA like it would be the, the song was called, is called So LA and it's all these just little moments of like super LA things like, oh, you don't have an agent? That's So LA. Um, right. <laughs> you, right. You, I only do K. That's So LA. <laughs> that kind of stuff. It's Coke vegan. Um, so, I, so I wrote these, these lyrics and then I did the vocals for it. And then the song was too good for my voice. I was about to say, like, you're not singing in the song. No. So I, I, I recorded the original vocals, and his management team was like, um, 
the song is really good and it would be even better without Blake's voice. Amazing. <laughs> Just which, have one note, yeah. Yeah, which is like, I totally understood because, you know, when, when, I, when we first had the song, I was like, dude, this shit fucking goes. And, um, and so he had a, a, a female recording artist um, do the lyrics that I wrote and we bookended the song with like a small skit in the beginning and then like a sort of a small skit at the end. And, and that's where my vocals are on it. But we put that one out last year in it. I think it is either about to cross or just crossed a million on Spotify, um, which is awesome because there was no financial backing to promote this song. It was right. just all organic, which is rare now on, um, yeah. in the music space. It's so. like hard to find stuff. In yeah, the exactly. Music world. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's hard to find a podcast. Yeah. You know, so if you, you know, you have your built in audience and those people will go to it and you just hope that through word of mouth and sending to other people that it gets out there. And, and so I've got, you know, I've got a few more songs that I'm sitting on right now. I play them in live sets and people love them and everything, but I'm, I'm very slow to release music because I want to make sure that one, it's battle tested out in the, in the world. And then two, that it's good and, and also funny. Right. You know, right. I don't want just like funny, you know, and shitty. I want really quality, like that people will actually want to play. Yeah. And then also smiles on their face. Kind of reminds me of like Adam Sandler. Remember that? Like uh, he, he would put out albums. Yeah. You know, and uh, they're so fun. I remember listening to those as a kid. Yeah. And some of it was just like verbal skits. You know, yes. remember the one where he like, um, they had this one friend in the group that they were uh, like, they would give him like fake drugs. Like they would give him a joint, but the, it wasn't weed. It was like, um, you know, gr like literally like oregano. Okay. And they'd be like, here, dude, smoke this. And he'd be like, I'm so high right now. And they're like, oh, yes. Yeah. They're yes, like, you're yes. not high. That was oregano. <laughs> yeah. And then they'd be like, he wants some acid. And he would take the acid and be like, I'm tripping. They're like, that was just paper. Yeah. Those verbal skits meant so much to me. Remember the champion? Wait, no. The champion was the golfer who literally like on the last hole he had a four shot lead and it, and and Adam Sandler was like and here he is the champion coming to the 18th tee with a four shot lead let's see if he can hold on here and the guy just has a meltdown and at the end of the thing he like shits in the hole and is like <laughs> he's got the he's got the uh the flag stick and he's charging at security and they shoot him it's <laughs> it get, it's so funny yeah. um but those verbal skits we used to listen to those on the bus when i was a kid <laughs> right have you yeah. tried uh to apply your voiceover like you know uh method to golf to an extent you know, so I, I what I what I do is so now what I've been doing is uh, recently I, I bought one of those 360 cameras. I've seen those. You've seen them. Yeah. Okay. So what I do is I I use I use that as like a way to do recaps. Right. And because my face is all like weird looking, I I decided to kind of name that character Blark Weebins. <laughs> um, and Blark Weebins just kind of sounds like this because that's what he that's to me that's what he looks like he would sound like. And, and I use it as a recap yeah. format. And I actually just had the thought yesterday at the gym when I was really high to do. <laughs> Wait, you get high and then go to the gym? Yes. That's insane to me. What, uh, so hang Can't on. Can't do that. Yeah. What does the getting high look like? And then what does the gym look like? Like, what are you doing? Okay. So what I'll do is I'll take my pre-workout. Okay. And then I'll do a dab. Okay. Um, What's a dab? a dab? I don't know. I'm sorry. Uh, wax concentrate. So okay. it's like the, it's, it's basically the, um, they take weed. 
at least the stuff that I use, and they, it's ice water hash that is then pressed with heat, and what comes out is just a super concentrated form of THC. It's intense stuff. Are you doing this out of a dab rig, or you just have a card or something? Uh, so I use I use my dab rig, um, which is an elect. It's mine's an electronic guy. It's intense, Eric. And you inhale. Yeah. It's like taking like a shot. Smoke or vape. There you go. Yeah, it it it, it ends up being like a, a vapor. Um, but yeah, it's just super concentrated. So it's like, if you took a hit out of a joint, you know, you're getting what is, you know, approximately like 20 to 25% THC. When you're taking a dab, you're getting like 90% THC. So I just, I go in and what happens, here's what happens is with the pre-workout and the dab. What's the pre-workout? Pre-workout's just your, um. It's like a shake? Yeah. It's like the, I, I use stuff called lit, but there's like C4. <laughs> There's all this stuff. And it's and just that's not uh intoxicant. That's just actually a fuel for working out. Correct. Yeah. At like most bodybuilders, most people that work out use some form of pre-workout. So it's like a chocolate shake. Uh well, this stuff is more like, for instance, like a Jolly Rancher. You're thinking maybe like a protein shake. That's okay. usually like the You're chocolate. Just taking a Jolly Rancher? Well, that's that's what flavor it is. Oh, okay. It's a beverage. <laughs> yeah, it's a, okay, it's, got it's it. a it's a powder that you pour in and you get water, and it's got like a lot of B12, okay. caffeine, um, and uh, nitrous oxide to expand the your oh, blood wow. vessels. So I want to try this. Does dude, it give you gas? Is there any downsides? I mean, I'm sure there's downsides. I do not know what those downsides are, but I will say you will go to the gym and you will you will be explosive in your training. <laughs> you will hustle. You will hustle. You, <laughs> and here's the thing. like Whenever I take it, you, at some point, because it's got nitrous in it, which you know gets more blood to your muscles by expanding your blood vessels, um, you can actually feel that happening. No and way. when I feel that happening, I'm just like, I have all the power. Like yeah. Bruce Banner shit. Yeah, like literally. Yeah. Like it's incredible. And my, my girlfriend, she'll take... She'll take pre-workout and she's like, as soon as that happens, she like hates it. She's like, I, I know it's in me. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> and, and, which is hilarious. But with that, with the weed, like literally gives me like this just surge of anxiety. And most people would fear that. But yeah. for me, I embrace it because what happens is then I start working out and then I start like getting in my own head and then I start coming up with like new ideas and all while working out, you know, heavily, like I'm, I'm going in, I'm not like sitting around. And what's not, the workout like? Is it like aerobic, so muscular? Yeah, it's, it's mostly weightlifting, but like I'll, I'll warm up with like 20 minutes on the uh, elliptical at like level 20. And then I usually do like a four or five movement, movement, full body workout. Okay. Um, cool. I have my dumbbell days. I have my uh, barbell days. And then I have my, um, cable machine days. It's interesting. You have, you have such like a, it seems like you have <laughs> such like a rigorous commitment to certain things, but then the way you do them is very like, I, w I don't want to say chaotic, but it's unusual. Yeah, that's totally fair. I, I've, I don't, and I don't know why that is. <laughs> I wish yeah. I could tell you why. This is who you are. Yeah. It's, I just do things different slightly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what was the idea that you had at the gym under immense anxiety and yeah. with, with bulging blood vessels? With bulging vessels <laughs> and just a thrum of anxiety in my neck. Um, I, I, I had this idea that with the 360 videos of doing sketches where their point of view, POV sketches where it's like, for, I had an idea for like a sketch for me and my girlfriend, like at dinner, like you're at, you're, you're on a date at dinner, but it's POV. And instead of actually seeing each other talk, 
it's just it's it's our thoughts but we're we're communicating with okay. our thoughts because because you have to have the camera in your mouth to make this operate properly. I was wondering about how that worked. Yeah, so the camera, the mustache is very prominent <laughs> yes. in, the, in the shot because it stitches. So the 360 is stitching, so it makes your mouth look a little little silly. So you're just at the gym, by the way, with the camera in your mouth. I I have I have I have done gym videos with the camera in my mouth. Um, people look at me weird, but you know I'm like, hey, I'm I'm doing my job, asshole. Yeah, you don't seem to care about that. No, because I'm not bothering anybody. Right. If I was bothering people, then I would care. I mean, like, I right. feel awful. Blake Blake talks a lot about the haters. Yes. Did Blake struggle with them, or was he really <laughs> was he square away? Like, no, it very much so was 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 very prominent at the uh, inception of Blake. Really? Yes. People didn't like Blake. No, and and rightfully so. <laughs> like, I will absolutely say it was. Because, like I said, I was towing the line between reality and absurdity, and so a lot of people thought Blake was a real person. Sure. And, and to just and, and and the idea in the beginning was that he's extremely delusional, and he thinks he's the God's gift to this earth, and that he is the most important person in the vape game. Sure. That was essentially the very beginning thesis of Blake, um, and and because of that. I would get shared on like these meme pages and like these random pages like who the fuck is this guy and then all these people would come to my page and just start flooding it with hate comments be like you're such a fucking bitch like what, what's your problem i can i actually like screen i can show you and there's obviously many things that i can't say on here um that people were saying but like just to put it into perspective, just so you can, this is like a screenshot from 2015. You're very organized. How did you yeah, pull this up? Yeah, he had that so quick. Uh, because it's his motivation. Uh, well, because it's like one of the first things in my camera ah, okay, roll. Okay, okay. So these are comments. This is, by the way, the blue Instagram. Yeah. Right. This, this is, is 2015 this is old. Instagram. Um, so yeah, Young Sinatra says hashtag Vape King. Yep. Um, and then the next one is ah, gonna get. Oh yeah, I can't read that. Can't read um, that. You're scum. Yep. Um, where the fuck do you live? Yep. That's interesting. Uh, whoa. And then this one is assaulting your uh, sexuality, I yeah. guess. Yep. Um, hashtag dick. Hashtag Blake vapes. Yeah, you never want the hashtag dick. Yeah. yeah. It's so interesting that a person would, uh, I mean, here are these people with usernames and yep. then a photo of themselves. Literally reach out to the world and say, this is, this. I'm voting. Here's my vote. Here's my Literally. public vote. Yeah. So, so how did Blake respond to the haters? Uh, well, so in, in the beginning, what I, what I did was I, uh, created a, uh, four step method to, <laughs> <laughs> to handling your haters and killing the game. Okay. And I essentially turned that into a live comedy show that was, and I've, you know, I've been touring it since like 2019. Um, we lost 2020, uh, and I've been touring it less and less because I've, I've found that the tour lifestyle um, is is too stressful for me. So yeah. I keep it. I'll do a couple of these shows a year, but it's a it's a basically a fake TED talk on how to kill the game and how to handle your haters. So you literally like a suit with like the mic. Yep. Wow. And I get on a hoverboard, and you know I've I've done it all over the country. I've done it. I did it in at the. Um, uh, Vulcan gas lamp company last okay. year in Austin. I did a weekend. And so are you, you're vaping on stage clearly? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and what's the thesis? What's the highlight? So the thesis is essentially, um, demonstrating live in person what it looks like to have a hater 
and then how to acquiring haters. Yeah, acquiring <laughs> haters, and then how to put those haters in their in their place. How do you, how does one do that? So you know, one you could um, I call it I call it the uh, hold on. Let me make sure I still got all four in my head. Um, I call it the kink method. So the first one is to kill the hater with niceness. <laughs> so stupid. The second one is to ignore the hate. Okay. Third one is to never let the hater know they're bothering you. And then the fourth one is to kill them with killing it. So just keep doing your <laughs> Two damn methods thing. Two of, methods of killing them. Yes. Yeah. 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 Niceness and your own success. Yes. Right. Precisely. Yeah, because I, I remember um, I watched um, I watched Blake uh, digging a grave for his haters. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was wow. That's a deep cut. It's very it's very metaphorical. You yes, know? it was Every, like everything in the beginning was a metaphor. Yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah, which is really where I get to when it's like I feel like on the face of it, mm -hmm. it's almost so good that people don't realize that it's a bit. Yes. And, and that's precisely was my goal in the beginning was I, that it's, like I said, you know, I'll say it again, toes the line of reality and absurdity and, and you can, and the people that get it, they really get it. Yeah. People that don't get it tend to be the ones that are the haters. And then the, there's another group of people that don't get it, but just think it's funny at face value. Yeah. And then, um, and it was just like an interesting uh, conglomerate of people. And like I said, it's grown and developed and it's, it's sort of gotten past that because you can only do, I feel like you can only live in like a certain bit in a certain era for a certain amount of time. Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting is, um, is there any downside to that? To, to like living so consumed in the bit that it's unclear that it's the bit. Uh, so yes and no. I think I learned very early on that that could be extremely detrimental because I would I I got brought out to a vape convention relatively early on. <laughs> like like a vape company reached out to you. Like the yeah, and like a convention reached out to me. It was like, hey, we're doing this con this vape convention where all these vape companies were and everything. Were you paid? Yes. Oh, they paid me to come out. Who'd they pay? Uh, did they pay Aristotle or did they pay Blake? Yeah, they paid me. I, like, so, I, so on the phone, you're like, no, no, I'm Aristotle. I, like, I'm a normal person. Right. Um, so then I go to the event and my, in my, the first one I went to, I was like, all right, I need to be in character the whole time. Because I, I didn't want to break character. I didn't know how to navigate that. Yeah. And then what I realized was like, by doing that, I made zero con human connections with anybody. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> And so, so fortunately for me, why? Because Blake isn't able to, oh, because it's not you. Yeah. It's not me. So these people are like, so, so dude, so good to have you here. I'm like, fuck yeah, it is. It must be tight for you. You know, like it was like the worst yeah. um, to actually be in character and, and do that. So what I learned very early on is you like make sure to separate that shit. Did you exchange numbers with people? No, no. Couldn't. No, because <laughs> who like, are they going to call? Blake exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I just didn't. I just didn't. And then, so then the next time I got brought to one of these, I was like, okay, the only time you need to be in character is if you're on stage. Okay. You know, <laughs> narrating the vape trick contest. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, or, or like, for instance, if someone wants to like take a picture or video with you, then you can then be in character. Right. So, but then as soon as it 
because because here's the thing we, we spent the day yesterday with brian baumgartner i'm so yeah, glad you who, brought this up i've been thinking about <laughs> yeah. this for 10 minutes so you know brian baumgartner played the role of kevin on the office okay yeah yeah, yeah. Who's, it's a very method type role right it's a, it's a whole caricature of a person yep and I, we've we've met a few times and i remember the first time one of my favorite questions to ask a, a celebrity is kind mm -hmm. of like what do people ask you yeah what's the most common question and and his answer was you don't talk like that <laughs> you know they know yeah. him as kevin of course he's brian you know and he's yeah. not he's completely different in person yeah he's actually very thoughtful and yep. you know he's kind of like just funny and very smart you know Makes to the sense. point where like if you were talking to him and he like had a hat on you might at some point in the conversation be like hey you kind of look like that guy from yeah. the office you might yeah. Not know yeah this is so interesting and and what i was thinking was because i had the exact same thought i was like wow aristotle is kind of like brian Baumgartner in that sense but he's also kind of like andy kaufman yeah. Mm -hmm. He's like the Andy Kaufman, Brian Baumgartner. Yeah. Or even like Will Ferrell. Yeah, that's fair. You know, like Will kind of has these like absurd characters that are just, well, actually even like uh, Royce DuPont. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like he's not that guy. No, absolutely not. Like he's probably actually the antithesis of that guy. And that's why that guy is funny to him. Exactly. And that that's definitely how I felt when I first started the character. Yeah. And you know, like I said, I didn't break for a really long time on social media. I learned very early on, you know, if you're at a live event, like it's like meet the people, like actually shake their hands and stuff and, you know, get to know them because there's so many amazing people. And what I found is through doing that, my fan base has been phenomenal. Like every single time I'm somewhere and let's say, you know, someone recognizes me, it's always the coolest person. I'm always right. like, damn, that's you're fucking cool, dude. What the hell? What? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so like, it's it's so. Whoa. Um, it's it it means so much to me because like, you know, they say that your 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 vibe draws your tribe, yeah. and it's like so interesting to meet these people out in real life and be like, damn, I would want to hang out with you. Like, right. if if I, if if I was if I wasn't this this person and you didn't know who I was and I just met you randomly, like, fuck yeah, I'd want to hang out with you. Dude. Yeah. So I found that to be super interesting. Um, so keeping the character separate from who I am and, and who I was even at that time was very simple because I just, I literally would only turn it on for the camera and, uh, you know, t turn it on when I was going on stage and whatnot. Yeah. So if, if you ever, and maybe you have met this person, have you ever met a real Blake Weber? Oh yeah. Yeah. And what advice would you give to a real like so, nature, <laughs> nature, nature, um, nature, mushrooms and blow. <laughs> chill out. <laughs> Cause I feel like very much so people that are, that are like Blake Weber in the real world just have like this insatiable appetite for their own ego that just sort of consumes them. And they are very much like portraying who they want the world to see them as is like this like larger than life type person so it's like you know like maybe maybe have some introspection and work on you know being a little bit more chill and not so just like yeah i'm the alpha i'm the cool one here it's, it's much up? greater than sarcasm yes when again this is where when we met i thought aristotle was like a sarcastic kind of thing and yeah and what's funny is it's like it sort of uses the same material as sarcasm, mm -hmm. but it's way harder. Yeah. Yeah. I totally, I totally get what you mean. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I don't understand it, but I'm like super curious. You're curious about it. And that's the thing too, is like, I don't necessarily know that I understand it either. 
you know? But you did it. But I you did You made it. it happen. Yeah, it's just, it's something that is, it just like, it, it, was, ve- it was always ve- very organic. I never tried to force anything. It was just always like, I guess this is the next logical step, you know? Yeah. So, so there's been a couple of times where I've, I'm so fascinated, but there's, there's a couple of times where I've tried to do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was, um, a character that I was like fascinated by who didn't exist. I didn't see it, okay. but there was this character that was, um, really obsessed with, um, as a golfer, his, his entrepreneurial ability to create and sell these kind of like insane, uh, swing aids <laughs> that he had created. And, and the aids themselves were kind of like objects of art. And then his salesmanship was, you know, very much like, um, eastbound and down, you know okay. what I mean? Like it was just very the like, overconfident idiot. Yeah. Yeah. And it was just, it was, this was the best idea ever made, you know? And, yeah. And that was like one character that I like tried to create. You're talking and about I, Bill from Ohio? It was, it, Bill from Ohio was a later on, but we hired an actor. Um, who you may actually know in, he's an LA guy. I need to okay. like, I need to like look up, uh, his, his information, but, but we hired an actor and I, and I wrote a script and we built the set and we like made this character that was like really a late night, um, you know, paid advertising kind of thing. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, it didn't work out. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it was the wrong time. Maybe I was yeah. like uncomfortable. Cause it's, cause usually you're towing the line of like scary, uncomfortable, you know, going to acquire haters. Like th- that's the criteria of this kind of character. Literally. And then the other one, we never really took a stab at, but, and I'm just curious to share this with you because like, you know, maybe there's something here, but yeah. Um, I was in Scotland about five years ago with like some of my closest friends and we were filming Okay. and we were on the range at like a really fancy Scottish course. And um, I was introduced through uh, a mutual party to someone who was the owner of the golf course. Mm-hmm. American guy, American guy owns this course in Scotland. And, um, <laughs> and then we were on the range and then he, most courses in Scotland don't have a range, but he's, he's over on the range, like, you know, three stalls away <sighs> and someone else comes up and these are two American guys. And, um, we could overhear their conversation mm-hmm. and the contents of the conversation were absurd. <laughs> it was something along the lines of, um, you know, the, the line that kept getting repeated was, um, you know, uh, you know, where are the wives? And he's like, oh, the wives took the plane to Colorado for the weekend. You know, and it was like, whoa, like, what the fuck did I just hear? Like, <laughs> what like is that, this? that grouping of words is like misogynistic, uber wealthy. Like, I don't even know. Yeah. Like, and then, and then, you know, that would, that struck us. And then a few days later we were at, uh, we happened to play Trump's course in Aberdeen mm-hmm. and, and Trump's course is, um, you know, when you stay there, we were lucky enough to be given rooms, you know, everything's very far away. So there's the Mercedes shuttle bus that takes you back and forth to the okay. clubhouse. So we get dinner late one night and then we all get in the shuttle bus and it's, and it's our crew mm-hmm. with one other random person. And it's like midnight. And we're all in this vehicle and we have to drive about seven minutes. And the, we had had a few drinks and that guy had had a few more and, oh, no. and none of us had spoken to him and we're all just chit chatting or whatever. Like the day was great. And then the guy just out of nowhere goes, which one of you guys wants to take my board meeting call? And we were all just <laughs> like, what? And so we then developed this like American tourist character yeah. that we would like riff on throughout. And it made its way into some of our YouTube videos, which were a totally different, you know, demographic, like a totally different, um, like angle. Yeah. Right. It's, my content is like much more like, um, you know, it's not that. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, I admire yeah. that and I love it. And like fire Marshal bill is like one of my favorite 
kind of versions of this, right? Yeah. Like, you know, have you seen this? No, I don't Jim Carrey playing a burn victim slash fire marshal. I've never seen this, no. Oh, he's, I mean, must have been an early inspiration for you. Yeah, I mean, Jim Carrey's goat. Yeah. Goat character actor. Jim Carrey did Man on the Moon, right? Yep. Boom. And he's currently like an artist now. Yeah, now right? he's making awesome paintings. So anyway, we we like developed this character and, we, and it kept like popping up because it made us laugh so much to be like that absurd character that just like, you know, doesn't understand why this land isn't developed. Yes. Um, can't handle the, uh, the lack of police presence. Just super <laughs> business mogul, protect, <laughs> a demo, uh, pr- protect capitalism at all costs. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it never totally, works. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You'll never actually see them work, but they always have a meeting. Yeah, yeah he always has a meeting, always on his phone telling people like, ah, to sell. And you're like, sell what? I just think like, look, it's an idea that I tried that didn't work. I would love yeah. to see somebody do it. That's funny. Like, I would love yeah. to see this like uber, um, you know, just like the terrible golfer that we all know exists everywhere. Yep. Like they, they need to be like highlighted. And, uh, you know, I think that that could help. I, th- I think that's a country club adjacent thing. Yeah. And I'd love to see it. That's so fu- It is really funny. Just, just give us 20 seconds. You know what I mean? Just if you, in, he's, you're, if you're interviewing Blake, let's just ask Blake one question. So, uh, Blake, you know, obviously the vape community wants to know, um, what's next for you. I mean, for me, the next step is CEO of VEP. You know, like when you think about who could handle the role besides me, there is no one. You know, no one blows fatter clouds. No one does doper tricks. No one kills the game as hard as me. So it's like, where's my CEO of VEP money? And I'm sure someone out there has it and is willing to give it to me because I deserve it. And we all know that you have no problem with the haters, but what do you have to say to the people that think vaping is stupid? Well, I have to say to them, like, fucking, you've never vet, dude. <laughs> Apparently your virgin lungs can't handle the amount of nick that we take in every single day that actually has helped us stop smoking. So shut your fucking mouth, hater. Fuck you, hater. And, and what do you have to say to, obviously, we don't, we don't know who it is. But the person that invented vaping first, uh, what is your emotional connection to that? So technically, that was actually my dad. He's the one who invented vape. And I, and I say, I love you, dad. And thank you for giving us all a tool to quit smoking and also a tool to help us kill the fucking game and blow dope ass clouds. And actually, just a, maybe a dumb question. How come I can't get colored clouds? Because... Dude, that's a very dumb question. Uh, because a lot of the chemicals that would be used for that are what are used in blasting SIGs. And you don't want that, I assure you, dude. It might look dope and it might seem dope in theory, but actually, like, think about nature. What color are the clouds? Good point. White. They're, they're white. Yeah. Nature, 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 and blow dope ass white clouds that perhaps one day could even become a storm. Yeah. Okay. And then, and then final question, where do you want your last puff to be? My last puff to be, dude, honestly, just somewhere where I'm chilling, you know, (laughs) I just want to be chilling when I take my last vape and then, you know, I can die as the greatest vapor that ever lived. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us. Thanks Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it, man. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Thanks, dude. Now you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that was great, man.